You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 223 and 224 of Talking Through the Bible in a Year, I should add. Yeah. So we are on the year-long program, and uh, we found ourselves kind of shifting gears suddenly. We just introduced... Second Chronicles, right, chapter one, and then our Old Testament reading for today is Ecclesiastes chapter one through six. Why did they do that to us, Matt? Well, Ecclesiastes traditionally has been attributed to Solomon, and so since we're talking about Solomon and Second Chronicles, I figure they're shifting gears to another writing of Solomon. Yeah, I think so. It's actually kind of cool when you step back and you go, we're talking about the Chronicles, which were like past words, mm-hmm. and now it's like um, almost like an old uh, Saved by the Bell where Zach Morris looks at the camera, breaks the fourth wall, and says, time out, and the Bible, uh, that's what this year program is doing. It says, time out, to speaking of Solomon, let's look at one of his profound books, mm-hmm. and we find ourselves in Ecclesiastes, and what you find out, though, is this has been written they believe, at the end of his reign. Yes. So after all of his time, like it's almost like I've served as king. I came in under David. Mm-hmm. Everything was set up for me. I've experienced every great, like, amazing thing. Yeah. And here's what I found. Mm-hmm. And so he starts off, here's what I found. It's the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanities. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And that's how it starts. Yeah. So this guy has had everything imaginable. I mean, unprecedented wealth, unprecedented success, unprecedented wisdom, unprecedented victory. Even the queens of Sheba are showing up and giving him things. Like, Mm -hmm. he's had an unprecedented amount of wives and concubines. He's worshipped an unprecedented amount of gods. (laughs) He has failed in an unprecedented way. Um, And what he's found is, after all this, it's just vanity, which... I was saying uh, means it's a mere breath. Yeah, vapor or mere breath, yep. So an endless loop. Mm -hmm. An endless loop, a search for meaning, is what Ecclesiastes is uh, referring to. Yeah, which is very interesting, especially considering my millennial generation that I'm a part of. Yes. Is... He's clearly identifying as man's search for meaning on your own, on man's, by himself, right. just leads to meaninglessness. Yeah, I think um, it's really interesting. When you are in survival mode, mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter. I don't know. What do you think doesn't matter? When you're, when you're just trying to survive, you and your wife, you're, trying to, like, you're working the land, you're fighting off wild animals and pestilence and the earth and the weather, and you're like just trying to survive. What's one thing you don't sit down at the end of the day, and ponder. Uh, meaning and purpose. <laughs> right. And dreams and goals. Yes, like, how am I feeling about it? Yeah. Um, I just really want to change careers, and mm-hmm. I want to find happiness. Am I being fulfilled? Yes. You never, when you're trying to survive. Growing these fig trees. Right. And my point is, most of history is trying to survive. Yes. Period. Mm-hmm. It, so it makes sense to me that during Solomon's reign... And at this season, 
when things are uh, when things are almost they are indulgent. Mm-hmm. This is when we all have a crisis of identity. Yeah, we have a crisis of who we really are. And I feel like America is a perfect example. We're at the season, the millennials you brought up, where things have been pretty safe mm-hmm. and pretty comfortable, and there's safety nets in place. And so now we all wonder what we are and what does it mean. Mm-hmm. And so it is interesting. And if you push into that those things hard enough you will come to believe, like many existentialists, which is a philosophical mm-hmm. movement of the last hundred so years, you start to believe that you have to create your existence. So right. the old argument is you were born with essence. You were born with um, certain things. And uh, the new idea in a culture of indulgence is, well, you have to create your meaning and your purpose. Right. Because you're not worried about survival. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I see what Solomon has done, and he's a very wise dude, He's pushed all the way into this idea, and what he's found is, yeah, it's pretty depressing. <laughs> and it's depressing because, um, I mean, he goes through, it's all vanity. Like, everything you do, you, you're working hard for what? It's a breath. It, the sun rises and sets, yeah. and it's forgotten. And, by the way, there's nothing new. Right. You're not creating anything new. You're just a part of this. You're giant, you're, well, without God, you are a speck in this universe, mm-hmm. and you will... Come from who knows where, and you will go to who knows where. No one will remember. Right. And so this is the reality he's finding as a guy who's done everything in his own strength and own power. And that's why the redeeming part of this book is, what's the only thing that Solomon comes back to is, oh, unless you fear the Lord. Right. Yeah, so uh, the thing that was really striking me was, on our own, we're not creating anything new. We just fall into the same old cycles. We're just trying to survive. We're just trying to please ourselves. We're just trying to do whatever we can do to find meaning and purpose, which at the end of the day amounts to nothing. I know. And then he has... And, but the only person in existence that is doing something new, that is creating new things, that has meaning and purpose is God. Right. I mean, he even says, even with all his wisdom... Mm-hmm. And much wisdom is vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. It's yeah. true. The more we learn about the Bible, the more we're like, oh, no. <laughs> no one understands, and it's going to take so long to explain to them, yes. this is, are we doing this in vain? Yeah. And the answer is yes, the vanity of self-indulgence. Yes, without God. Mm-hmm. Yes, without God. God is eternal. God is the only one doing anything new. And then he even delves into, as a leader... You know, he goes into, oh, the vanity of living wisely. Mm-hmm. You save and save and save. You take care of all your bases to give it away to someone who's a fool. Right. Yeah, and he's like, and the the wise and the foolish all end up in the same place. Right. He's like, We all die, so, like, what what does it benefit you? It is interesting. I feel like we do spend a lot of time pretending like death isn't always looming over us or mm-hmm. could attack us at any moment. Right. Like, we've tried we to do. protect ourselves from that. And he's saying, look... You could be doing great things. I mean, you've heard the old, I've heard these old kind of uh, anecdotes. I don't know what, why they even exist, but it's like, oh, the guy who was a triathlete in awesome shape died of cancer or died of a heart attack. And then the right. guy who smoked two packs a day is 120. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Right. There's anomalies and there's things that happen because, right, just because you live healthy doesn't mean you're going to live long. It's not a guarantee, yeah. Nothing guarantees mm-hmm. you're going to live long. Right. I mean, we're sub- but if we live like this, we're just depressed and scared mm-hmm. all the time, right? Yeah, you become a nihilist. It, it's true. And so mm-hmm. uh, in chapter three is the famous, to everything, dun, dun. it's a yes. bird song, you know. There's a season, 
And what I liked about it is he's not sugarcoating. I mean, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. There's mm-hmm. a time to break down, a time to build up. He goes, and what we've learned is everything does really work in seasons. Yes. There's, yeah, it really does. It's not according to, oh, I mean, you just you don't have as much control. When you put it in seasonal language, you realize, oh, I don't have as much control over the seasons. Mm-hmm. I have control how I'm going to prepare for those seasons, how mm-hmm. I'm going to get through those seasons. That's where our control is. We think we can control the seasons. Like, I don't want a season of death. I don't mm-hmm. want a season of sorrow. But well, those are real seasons. And also, I think... He also is pointing out this amazing, like this really basic truth is everything is cyclical. Yeah. The way things are, it's just all cyclical. And right now, especially in our culture, we like to think everything's linear and progressing forward and upward. We're getting better and better and better. And, uh, which is really disappointing when you look around. I mean, they were saying that before World War II. Yeah. And Solomon's going, Solomon is at the height of like things are great. And he's going, yeah, no, it's just all going to come back around right and he's correct i mean you look back i've been watching like i said a lot of world war ii stuff and leading up to the late 1930s is serious optimism Mm -hmm. we're getting better everyone's eating Mm -hmm. technology i mean there's places of depression still sadness but it's like generally the um the modern world is progressing through Mm -hmm. industry and then the nazis come it's like what Mm mm-hmm and I feel like we are at a place in America where I'm not saying anything about Nazis or anything, but I'm just saying the optimism of we keep going up. We're shocked when we see the sinfulness of man. Yeah, I and think it's like so. well, I don't know why everybody's so shocked. Education and technology do not heal the broken, wounded, fearful, angry heart. Right, because again, left to our own devices, we're just going to recreate the same pattern. Right. And then the people who remember the pattern have just died off yes. in time for you to recreate what you think is brand new. Yes. <laughs> because there's not an old guy We're going to do something new. And it's like, yeah, we already did that. Let's dominate the world. And the old guy's not there anymore. He mm. just passed away. <laughs> he was the guy who said, remember? <laughs> remember Hitler before him? Remember? Yeah. Okay. So he goes on to say, look, from dust to dust, but you do your God-given task. You do the things in front of you, but realize... Even then, try to find joy in these things with well, God. Well, the interesting thing is, is he kind of makes this point of we're actually incapable of enjoying the things that God's given us yeah. unless God allows us to enjoy the things he's given us. Like even that, like he makes a very clear, like, like on your own, you're just going to waste away into yeah. nothingness. But if you're with God, that's when you actually have a shot and can experience like, oh, the things I'm doing are enjoyable. Content. That and was I the love word. this. Yeah. I can only find contentment. And when I can I, find peace. When and God's with me. Yeah. Yes. No, that's good. And then in uh, chapter five, that's where he really goes about fear, fearing God mm-hmm. and draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifice of fools. So they do not know that they are doing evil. So he's talking about fools have tons of words. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, I talk too much. Well, I was thinking, too, about this, because, one, I do like that idea of when we go to God, we normally go to God with a list of things right. we want to accomplish or or just a rote list of words that we want to say to him just to check it off our list. And we rarely go to God in a posture of listening. Yeah. One, because it's 
probably now the mud, the waters have been a lot of muddied mm. on how we do that. But we to just go, Lord, I'm listening, and sit in silence for a while is not our natural state. And I'm, then, uh, and then yeah. I thought it was interesting too his comment on offer the sacrifice of fools, because this is something that is later brought up by the prophets against Israel, is that you sacrifice to God, but you don't mean it. Like, you, you follow right. the laws of God, but it's just to cover your bases, and you're right. still, like, doing all these other things with other gods and pursuing all this idolatry. Like, the relationship is not there. Yeah. And I wonder, too, I know in the New Testament times, the traditions have had become around idolatry and other things to say many words, mm-hmm. like to claim the names of all the gods and go through your routine, uh, which is tempting even for us. Like I have certain prayers that I really love, but I have to like check in with my spirit and not just go, our father, we are in heaven, hallowed be the name. Yeah. Uh, father, you know, I told you my old story. We used to have, uh, I went to this Christian college where we had prayer meetings every night with our, the two rooms. So this was like six or seven of us that had to pray. And the one guy, um, just starts praying for the request. We're like, oh, I'll pray for my test tomorrow. I'll pray for this mm-hmm. and that. And so he's like, all right. And he's like, Jeremy, Father, bless this food to our bodies. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, it's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Of, but I've done that too, where you're just, you're checking it in and you're thinking you're covering your bases, but it's like, come on, wake up, talk to me. Yeah. But I did like the idea for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. And so that's in regard to, that's verse three, yeah. chapter five, in regard to coming to God, kind of rashness and uh, just thinking you can get whatever you want from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's confusing because we do say God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but he's not interested in spoiled children who are going to just self-destructive spoiled children. Right. And he's not interested in becoming your genie. Mm-hmm. But um, the vanity of wealth and honor, talking about he who loves money will never be satisfied. I mean, goods increase and then increase those who eat them. I thought that was funny. Like, I've seen that. I've known wealthy people. And, you know, my sprinkler costs $200 to fix. His sprinkler costs 2000 mm-hmm. It all increases. Like, right. you yeah. go to the rich neighborhoods, now they got all the people doing their yard work. Well, mm-hmm. I'm doing my own yard work. And right. it's like, ugh. Anyway, so he's just saying everything's vanity except those who, oh, who, st- who get with God. Um, everyone to also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them. That's that thing you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like he gives the joy to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. I like that. I like that idea that joy comes from God. Yeah, it's not something you muster up by mm-hmm. stuff you get. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's a relationship joy with is God. a gift. I don't. Yeah, we don't think about that. We usually think joy is dependent on my mood, on mm-hmm. how I'm acting, on if I got the job or I got to the next level of America's Got Talent, um, something like that. But mm-hmm. it's a gift of God. And even in your toil, in the job that you don't necessarily love, you can find joy. Joy yeah. is available to us everywhere, um, wherever God can go. Yeah. Cool. There's a lot more there than I expected. I thought we were just going to say vanity. Moving on. Well, let's go to our New Testament today. Our New Testament reading for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through verse 35. 
Right. Well, Paul has moved on from uh, the fellowship as children <clears throat> to Christian freedom. And he talks about uh, your bodies. Mm-hmm. Now, now is, is this the... I have to turn to it, but is this the section that's getting down to the body? Or did we already cover that? So we covered the... Uh, yes. Um, about sexual immorality. Right. and We did that. We now, did that. And now then, we're into marriage. And now we're getting to um, a thing that they specifically seem to have written him about. Yeah. Because it starts off with, now concerning the matters about which you wrote... And then it's in quotation. So this seems to be a line taken straight from their letter. So their line that they said to Paul That's right. is, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And so Paul's like, okay, let me take that quote that was in your letter and let's address that. Yes. And it's a good question because, again, this is a community of people trying to figure out what does Christianity look like mm-hmm. in our context. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the idea now of marriage is addressed. And so he clearly says, you know, um, basically he's, I think it's a miniature application of the bigger message, which is unity. Mm-hmm. So he's telling a husband and wife, essentially, and, and this might be big news for them in that culture, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But he's essentially saying, hey, talk to each other, be on the same page. Don't withhold each other's bodies. Don't mm-hmm. use your bodies and don't use intimacy as a, as a bargaining chip. Right. Don't withhold it and don't abuse it. And then talk to each other. I know there's times when there's fasting and mm-hmm. you're figuring out how to use the Jewish law, which you know said you're dirty if you do this. But I'm telling you, within marriage, you work it out together and it's a beautiful and wonderful thing within marriage. Right. Right? Yeah, because he even says, like, don't deprive one another... Um, beyond a limited time, like when they agree, like, oh, we're going to dedicate some time to prayer and fasting. But he's like, don't deprive one another. Come back together because Satan will use that because we're so broken and have this lack of self-control. Yeah, exactly. He's like, Satan will use that against you. Don't, like, don't withhold from one another. Yeah, and then what an amazing verse there where it just straight up says, when we withhold these things from each other or we just overlook them and figure whatever. Mm Mm-hmm it does give an opportunity for Satan to attack our self-control. Right. And especially in areas where we're uniting and bringing the unity of Christ into unity with things that right. shouldn't be united to Christ. Um, then he goes on and he, he basically says, look, um, I, I'm not married. I wish you all were as that. He kind of mixes like, well, it's not all from God. This is some of my wisdom for you. Like yeah. I'm just trying to give you normal wisdom through the lens of Christianity. It's not always this is from God. Yeah. So it, it's this. This is interesting. This is an interesting passage because he is like he'll flip back and forth between okay, this is from God. Da 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 da. This is just me saying good advice because there is no specific advice from God on this. Right. And he's like, look, I'm not married. And it seems to, and it's working out really well for me. And just as like, like advice that might go against the times, uh, don't get married. Don't rush into marriage. Yeah. And the rest of the section, I mean, it is, he's just saying, if you have the self-control, like you don't have to get married. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then if you are married, so we'll come back to that cause he comes, he comes back around mm-hmm. to that. But then he says, if you are married, 
don't divorce. Right. Like, plan on not divorcing. But the issue there is some of us are getting saved and our wives or our husbands aren't. Right. And so they're still worshiping. So I should get out of this. I want mm-hmm. to be more spiritual. And Paul gives them the advice of saying, oh, no, actually stay together. Honor marriage, even if the other person's yeah. not. By doing this, you can make the other person holy. Right. Like you could lead them to Christ. Right. So, and Peter talks about this too. Like live in such a way with your unsaved spouse and pray and live in a kindness of Jesus Christ and pray that they, they get saved. Yeah. And so he gets just, again, it's just, he's just trying to be practical and understanding of what the times are and what they're going through right now. And he's going, right. hey, if, if the unsaved spouse wants to stay with you, then yeah. stay with them. Mm. But if they want to leave, then let them leave. But you can understand, yeah. Like you could, if they leave, they leave. But you can understand why they want to be holy and not sin. And you right. think, oh, I'm married to a, a sinner. But then here's the interesting verse for me. Uh, in verse 14, it's the same idea you'll make, uh, you might, unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. So what I like there is one believing parent covers, it sounds like Paul believes that if you have one believing parent there, it covers these children mm-hmm. while, while they're, they're under your household. Which sounds absurd. Like you're like, wait, you can't transfer this. It's not just because your parents are saved, you're saved. But this does throw back. Mm-hmm. One believing parent was all it would take in the Exodus, right? Yeah. Like if... You and I are brothers, mm-hmm. and you're the only one that believes, and you go get some blood and put it on the doorpost. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You're crazy. It's like, oh, whatever. yeah, yeah. Really. And I'm in that house. I am saved. Yes. And so the illusion here is the blood of Christ put on the doorpost of our houses and our hearts. Mm-hmm. It matters mm-hmm. that your children are covered for a time until right. they leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what that means is, I don't know. I'm not trying to put an age on it. I'm not trying to put a limit on it. All I'm saying is, for those of us with kids, I mean, let's let's get our kids baptized. Let's use mm-hmm. everything we have to feel the assurance of their salvation. But there is some assurance in one believing parent while kids are in the home. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back and says, live the life you were called. And it's so cool because I can hear the conversations kind of in people's heads. He's like, um, don't all of a sudden get circumcised if you're not. Don't try to undo circumcision yeah. if you are, like if that's even a thing. So he's he's addressing like when, at the point when you were saved right. or when you trusted in Christ, uh, don't try to radically change your position. Don't freak out. Yeah. Like the you way you were found, out. like remain there unless God is like, lead, let God lead you out of it. Don't try to rush out of things. Well, it plays to you are a mother. Mm-hmm. You're called to be a father. You're called to be a, right. a, a, a worker with purple garments. Mm-hmm. Keep doing that. Yeah. So like, I, uh, like one of the examples he does is uh, a slave. He's I know. Like, he's like, if you're a slave and you uh, are saved, don't all of a sudden be like, I don't need to be a slave anymore right. and run away. Don't do that. I mean, but of course, like if there's an opportunity for you to become a free man, then do that. Well, that's what's so cool. But recognize that you're free under Christ. And if you're born free, recognize that you're a slave under Christ. Recognize that you and the, and the slave are equal right. in Christ. He does even answer the question like, um, don't worry about it, but mm-hmm. try to get out of it. Uh, you, just as you were called in the Lord as a slave, 
is a freed. You basically you're free in the Lord. Yeah. You were bought with a price. And then he does. He's just practical. Yeah. Paul's just saying, but don't become a slave to man if you can handle it. Yeah. Don't take out debt. Don't become any of that. But be. But at the same time, remain where you are. Don't freak out. So don't mm-hmm. run away if you're a slave. Stay there. Pay right. your debt. Try not to be a slave. You know what I mean? Like it's like someone has tons of debt credit card debt and all of a sudden I'm saved now I'm free from that well no you still gotta pay the debt right or you right. commit a crime I used to be a thief but I got saved and now I get to leave jail no you still have to serve your time right but yeah try not to steal anymore right and then he comes back around to the unmarried and the widow I think what happens in any community even to this day is that when people get married they have a hard time keeping their single friends around and that they feel a little bit superior or maybe they feel nothing but the single people start to feel a little inferior. Mm-hmm. It goes one or the other way. And, it, and, and so I think there was a division here between married and unmarried, and that uh, it was being okay. prized, because the culture they lived in, much yeah. like ours, but even worse than ours was, look, as soon as you can, get married, married for security reasons, yeah. for inheritance reasons. Yeah. Have meaning and purpose in your life, please. Mm-hmm. And Paul's kind of a revolutionary saying, I'm single, and actually, you can be single. Mm-hmm. In fact, he makes the case, Singleness is actually better right? because uh, he straight up says the married man or woman has to ha- carry all the anxieties of the other and they have to worry about the things in this world mm-hmm. and how to feed their kids and how to manage a household. He's like, when you're single, you can devote yourself purely to the Lord. And he does, again, say that this is just from him. This isn't yeah. from God. But he is just being very practical of if you don't have to worry about another person, don't rush into worrying about another person. But see, I think, he, and the reason he's saying this is answering the question, like, we always want to know, what's God's will? What's the best thing mm-hmm. for me to do? And he's, and they assume it's married. Right. And he's actually saying, well, oh, look, if you're going to burn with lust, please, that's, the, that's a normal thing. Yeah. Get married. Please. Marriage is a beautiful thing and do the sexual stuff within marriage. But just know that comes with this. If you want to know what's best, well, in my opinion, I'm single. And I don't have to concern. I get a lot done for and God. <laughs> I get a lot done. I'm very mobile. I can get up and move. And I don't have to worry yeah. about someone's parents and about uh, my wife. And she's safe. And I just go and build tents and sleep wherever I want and mm-hmm. go wherever I want. And there's like a lot of freedom. Yeah. And, but that's a revolutionary idea because um, even to this day, I think we feel more valued if we have, I just want to find someone to love me. And mm-hmm. so it takes a lot of security that, man, you are loved in the Lord. Right. And you have purpose and meaning as a single person. I only know um, I only know a handful of single people who are kind of handling it like that. Mm-hmm. Most are trying to find someone to live with, like to marry, mm-hmm. um, which is okay too. See, even that saying that, it's like I almost want to go stop doing that. Just serve the Lord. But no, Paul's not doing that. Right. He's saying there's options for you. You're free in Christ. Right. And don't let one state or whether you're unmarried or married seem like it's better or yeah. worse than the other don't let it be a division the lord's yeah, among exactly. the church that's what i think and then at the end he get, he does hit and uh by the way don't get divorced just realize if you get married yeah do it for life mm-hmm. um because you're gonna be happier yeah <laughs> divorce is awful it's really i mean again it's not even that he's saying if you divorce someone God can't love you and you go to no, hell. He's no. saying, divorce is so tough, man. Yeah. I mean, like, it is not great. so devastating. Please 
try to stay married. Mm-hmm. All right. So there it is. So any questions you have about being single or being married, Paul tries to answer them um, basically through the filter of Christian wisdom. Yeah. And he even says, like, I have the Spirit of God, so I'm just applying these things, but there is no Ten Commandments for thou shalt be married or not married. Right. And I'm so thankful. Yeah. So the Ten Commandments, you look back, you realize how brilliant they are. Yeah. Because they do cover big swaths of things and not minutia where we get caught up and we can easily judge. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Thanks, Paul. All right. You got anything else to say? No. Moving on. What's our psalm? Our psalm for today is Psalm 94, verses 12-23. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, to give him rest from the days of trouble, until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people, he will not abandon his heritage. For justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Can wicked rulers be allied to you? Those who frame injustice by statute, they band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we will talk to you next time